You ever been to the circus? Well, when I was a kid. Did you like it? Uh, well, you know, it was fun. I was kind of scared of the clowns. Are you still scared of clowns? Yeah. We're going to do something a little bit different this evening. A lot different, if you ask me. We're going to give you a glimpse into the future. It isn't often that you can call someone a sure thing in the entertainment business. After all, the verdict is always in your hands, isn't it? But I think tonight, after you've met my first guest, you'll agree with me that he's destined for greatness in one way or another. Here's a man who would not take it anymore. A man who stood up against the scum, the dogs, the filth, the shit. Here is someone who stood up. Here is... The newest king of comedy. One small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Welcome to the Fabish Factor Film Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Fabish. And on this episode, it's my review of Joker. You can call me Joker. And as you can see, I'm a lot happier. First off, I'll say that I've been a Batman fan since I was three or four. And over the years of watching the movies and TV shows, playing the video games, and of course reading the comics, that Batman and the Joker have wound up being my two favorite characters in all of fiction. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Tim Burton and Christopher Nolan's Batman films. Why so serious? And even Batman Forever. It's the car, right? Chicks love the car. But the Dark Knight trilogy gave me a screen version of Batman in Gotham City that I've always wanted which is to have it as a crime epic in the vein of movies like Heat, The French Connection, or a TV show like The Wire. A man must have a code. Oh, no doubt. So as a fan, I've already got my perfect screen version of Batman, and anything else we get is really just a nice bonus. As good as Nolan's and Burton's movies are, and how faithful they are to the books, I did feel that the only thing missing, and this was a like shooting star wish, I figured nobody would ever try to bring to the big screen, which was to make an R-rated crime movie about Batman. Something in the vein of, like, Seven. Something that gets into the horror side of Batman and Gotham City, as well as the crime side. Do you like what you do for a living? These things you see? No. No, I don't. But that's life, isn't it? And I always get shouted down bringing that kind of movie up. People say, come on, man. This is a major Hollywood studio. This is Warner Brothers. They're making these movies primarily for children. There's no way in hell anyone's going to make an R-rated Batman movie. You know, for kids. And now? Well, I'm still waiting for that R-rated Batman movie. I don't mind waiting. Which reminds me about the man who waited so long he forgot what he was waiting for. But for now, I have Joker. Arthur, does it help to have someone to talk to? My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose to bring laughter and joy to the world. 
it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? Joker is about Arthur Fleck, a mentally unstable clown and aspiring stand-up comic who lives with and takes care of his sick old mother in Gotham City in what appears to be the early 1980s. One night, Arthur is accosted by three Wall Street guys on a train and ends up shooting and killing them in self-defense. The news of a clown killing three Wall Street guys triggers a political movement against the rich in Gotham City. All the while, a videotape of Arthur performing a bizarre stand-up routine in a comedy club makes its way to Gotham City's late-night talk show, The Murray Franklin Show, and Arthur ends up being invited to be a guest on the show. Did you always want to be a comedian? Well, not in the womb, but right after that, yes. I guess after seeing the success of R-rated comic book movies like Deadpool and Logan... Jeez, Wolverine, seeing you like this just breaks my damn heart. As soon as I rip it out of your chest, fuck Warner Brothers decided maybe there is a market for an adults-only movie based around a superhero comic book property after all. Now, this is a movie one could dissect for hours, and I'm sure over the next little while or even year, there's going to be dozens and dozens of videos examining the various aspects of this movie, both good and bad. And I know I could go on for hours about this movie. I don't think so. But I'll try to keep it focused on a few key points. First off, I've seen it twice now. First time I saw it was after a long day at work, and I was kind of high off of a variety of over-the-counter cold medications. You can't travel in space. You can't go out into space, you know, without, like, you know... So uh, that, coupled with how dark and twisted this movie was, when I got home, I had a very hard time arriving at a concise opinion on the movie, or even deciding whether or not I liked it. What does this mean? And at this point, I can say, I love this movie. This is one of the best films of 2019. I know it's already heavily dividing opinion, and for every person that says it's a work of art, there's someone who says it's a mind-numbing, pretentious trash. What is that? What the fuck is that? What is that? I don't know what to make of the critical response to this movie, other than to say, we won't really know where this movie stands for maybe a few years even. There's loads of movies that got bad reviews and that have wound up becoming beloved by almost everyone who watches movies. For example, as I understand it, John Carpenter's The Thing got terrible reviews when it came out. You gotta be fucking kidding. I saw one story that in some circles, it was actually joked about being one of the worst films ever made. And today, there's loads of people, including myself, that consider it one of the best monster movies ever made. Yeah, fuck you too! Or one of my favorite go-to examples, The Shining was nominated for three Razzie Awards including one for Worst Director for Stanley Kubrick. That's strange, sir. I don't have any recollection of that at all. I'm not saying that Joker is up there with The Thing and The Shining, but the point is, some movies just need time. So I can't speak for everyone, but I think that Joker is a superb film. Joaquin Phoenix plays Arthur Fleck, also known as The Joker. This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. And he's getting a ton of awards buzz for his portrayal of the Joker, and I could easily see him winning an Oscar for this. Joaquin Phoenix, over his entire career, but especially over the last few years, 
has been turning in one mesmerizing performance after another. Move, children! Vamanos! Just go look at clips of him in movies like The Master. We are in the middle of a battle that's a trillion years in the making, and it's bigger than the both You're of us. You're making this shit up! You make this shit up! You know what you're talking about! Inherent vice. But do you think that Glenn and Shasta were like F-U-C-K-I-N-G-E? fucking -ing? Or you were never really here, to name a few. Cleary said you were brutal. I can be. Uh, he really is extraordinary. And he sure doesn't drop the ball as the Joker. It's an unbelievably committed performance Phoenix gives in this movie, not just emotionally, but physically. He lost a ton of weight for this movie. And in, even in some shots, just of his frail form without any dialogue, some of those are enough to send shivers down your spine. I could go on and on about him in this movie, but I'll just say as a Joker fan, I thought he nailed it and he did an amazing job making this role his own. He's not channeling Nicholson. I'm glad you did. <laughs> or Heath Ledger. I'm going to make this pencil disappear. It's, it's gone. It's a whole new kind of Joker we get, and it's definitely the scariest. What makes this Joker so scary is he's not trying to be scary. He doesn't have an intentionally sinister air about him. He seems like a nice, sweet guy, and that makes him scary. Never smokes, drinks, or gambles, you know? Then you read about these guys. Wouldn't they pick up an axe and wipe out the whole family, you know? <laughs> In several scenes, including one involving a child, just him trying to be nice but knowing where Joker ends up by the time this movie's over makes his seemingly nice guy attitude all the more disturbing. Uh, it's a performance and a movie overall that brings to mind a great film called One Hour Photo, where Robin Williams played a similarly disturbed individual whose calm demeanor hided the violent rage inside of him. I can still shop here, can I, Bill? No, sir, you can't still shop here. No, I believe I can, Bill. There's no law that says I can't shop here just because I was fired. Now, this isn't a supervillain with laughing gas, chattering teeth, and robbing banks, or trying to take over Gotham City. This is a depressed loner in his 40s that just gets pushed over the edge. It's a super realistic take on a psychopath. He doesn't draw attention to himself when he's not dressed as a clown. This is a guy you wouldn't look twice at passing him on the street. Painfully, painfully, painfully normal. Just absolutely, painfully, horribly average. The Joker doesn't think he's evil, which is one thing that makes him insane. It's one of Phoenix's best performances in a series of great performances. I used to think that my life was a tragedy, but now I realize it's a comedy. Todd Phillips, who directed and co-wrote this movie with Scott Silver, makes a dramatic departure, literally, with this movie. Going from strictly comedy movies to what I guess you could call a psychological thriller or even a horror movie. And I'll be honest, I didn't know he had it in him. I had my doubts when I heard Todd Phillips was making a movie about the Joker. Hey, that really sucked! But I think if you just lied and told someone that Darren Aronofsky made this movie, I think a lot of people would believe it. It's so strange to have a movie made by the guy who did Old School, Starsky and Hutch, and The Hangover. May want to take an eight of that like Omar. Respect. What, what happened to Omar? Well, don't worry about Omar. He's not with us no more. Make a movie so dark and disturbing, but Phillips pulls it off. I don't know what he has next in his career, but I hope he makes more films along this line. 
Now, Phillips has made no secret about his inspirations for this movie, being the films of Martin Scorsese. Here, we have the protagonist, but where's the antagonist? Huh? Where's the drama? And they're very plain to see. This is a movie about a disturbed loner, and Scorsese has made a couple of those. The key ones to think about with this movie are Taxi Driver. I'm hip. <laughs> but you don't look hip. And the king of comedy. I can't take over the show for six weeks. I can't even take over my own life for six weeks. And you're asking me to do something that's impossible. It's impossible. In Taxi Driver, you had Travis Bickle, a violent psychopath who, when he can't get the woman he wants, Look, no, come hell. on! You're in a hell. And you're gonna die in a hell like the rest come of Come on now! He turns to acts of violence in the gritty streets of New York. Suck on this. And in King of Comedy, you have Rupert Pupkin. Rupert... Pupkin, P-U-P-K-I-N. People often misspell it and mispronounce it. Who is a struggling comedian with aspirations of being famous and, more importantly, respected. You don't understand what a shot on Langford means. That's coast-to-coast -coast national TV, a bigger audience than the greatest comedians used to play to in a whole lifetime. A shot at a free ticket on the comedy circuit, a comedy show of my own. So you have Travis obsessed with killing people and Rupert obsessed with fame and being accepted. And what Joker gives us is very much a combination of the two. A violent, disturbed loner with a need for acceptance. And what happens when you combine Travis and Rupert is you get a very scary individual. Mom! You talking to me? Todd Phillips does a nice job paying homage to Scorsese's work with several direct pulls from his films, such as Joker making the same gun-to-his-head gesture that Travis does in that climactic scene in Taxi Driver. <sighs> or having Joker record an episode of the late night talk show and act as though, and play it back and act as though he's a guest on the show. Elizabeth Ashley, Carol Burnett, and the comedy find of the year making his television debut, Rupert Pupkin, the new Rupert. king of comedy. And there's plenty of moments in between, such as various daydreams and fantasies Joker has that are very much like the ones Rupert has in King of Comedy. You've got it, from what I've heard here. Yep, you've got it, and you're stuck with it. And I don't care if you wanted to get rid of it, you couldn't. It's always going to be there. Now, there's a lot of King of Comedy in this movie, but one thematic connection for me is Joker in this movie is very much the twisted Gotham City version of Rupert Pupkin. And I mean, you know, Gotham City, the dark crime world of Batman. Like, Rupert kidnaps a man, gets on TV, and wins the approval of the audience. Joker kills people, gets on TV, scares the audience, and wins the approval of criminals and lowlifes. It's a very fitting story for a Batman villain. And of course, the biggest homage to Scorsese is having Robert De Niro playing Murray Franklin, host of Gotham's late night talk show. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they can do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. Making this a sort of eerie spiritual follow-up, a spiritual sequel of sorts to King of Comedy, where De Niro, of course, played Rupert Pupkin. And there's a couple of other movie homages in this movie, such as a foot chase that ends up on a train that's straight out of the French Connection. When's the last time you picked your feet? Huh? Yeah, what's he talking about? I've got a man in Poughkeepsie who wants to talk to you. Have you ever been to Poughkeepsie? Huh? Have you ever been to Poughkeepsie? This movie has plenty of its own original moments, 
And a lot of those are ones tied to the world of the comics. There you go again. Now, this movie could have easily stood alone as a psycho thriller without any connections to DC Comics. You could change all the names, change it from Gotham to New York, and you would have a great original screenplay here. But the way this movie ties together as a comic book movie and bit by bit does show itself to be a movie about Batman's nemesis is so well done. I'm not going to spoil everything, but I think it's well known in this movie that you have a young Bruce Wayne. Those are Bruce Wayne's guests out there, sir. You have a name to maintain. I don't care about my name. With his parents, Thomas and Martha, as well as Alfred Pennyworth. And they each play very small roles in this movie. Thomas Wayne actually plays a sort of large role, uh, making a, a run for mayor and a vocal opponent of the killings that are making the Joker a beloved underdog in Gotham City. And it's very interesting having Thomas Wayne be a guy who goes on TV and denounce the idea of a man committing acts of violence while hiding behind a mask, calling it cowardly. And of course, that's very ironic given where his son ends up. What kind of coward would do something that cold-blooded? someone who hides behind a mask. But this isn't a movie about the Waynes, but there is a fascinating scene where Arthur meets the young Bruce Wayne, and it isn't some epic meeting where it's clear that one day these two will be battling one another in the streets of Gotham. I think you and I are destined to do this forever. You'll be in a better jail forever. Maybe we could share one. But it's this just creepy little exchange they have that as a Batman fan was one of my favorite moments in the movie. And as much as this movie is its own thing with the Joker and it's not the canon comics version everyone knows, there's loads of these little details spread throughout that when the movie's over, you realize it really was a movie about the Joker. Such as having Arthur have this condition of spontaneous and uncontrollable laughter, where when he's nervous, he'll just break out into this Joker-style cackle and it's creepy as hell every time. <laughs> and even having Joker appear on a talk show is right out of the pages of The Dark Knight Returns. Joker, you've asked for a chance to share your side of things. I'm told you've killed about 600 people. How exactly does your side of that go? So this movie is very much a standalone spin-off set in Gotham City that has nothing to do with anything that came before it. It's not in the DCEU, it's its own thing. And a sequel is not as sure a thing as with other comic book movies, but man, I'd be very happy if someone made a proper Batman movie set in this kind of a gritty, Scorsese crime world of a Gotham City with this kind of a of a tone, because even if it's not a Batman movie, it's got the perfect atmosphere for one. Gotham City has earned the rest from crime. But if the forces of evil should rise again to cast a shadow on the heart of the city, call me. Question, how do we call him? He gave us a signal. I gotta mention the terrific soundtrack to this movie. The haunting score by Hildur Gwenadotir that gives this movie a very spooky horror vibe. But also the excellent period song selections, uh, such as some key songs like That's Life by Frank Sinatra. That's life! That's love. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. When I saw the first trailer for Joker and I heard Jimmy Durante's voice, 
I had a feeling this movie was going to be different. Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. Now, this movie is generating a lot of controversy. Some saying that it's glorifying the violent acts of a psychopath. Now, while I'm sure some unstable people are surely seeing this movie as a validation of their dark thoughts. Well, there's wackos out there. I think it's irresponsible to say that the movie is a danger to anyone. It's just a movie. And it's absolutely not glorifying the Joker. Quite the opposite. Even if things do go the Joker's way in parts of this movie, it's very much a movie showing how twisted a villain the Joker is. He's an evil, violent psychopath in this movie. And I personally found it very easy to stand back and see him as a great movie villain rather than some kind of inspirational anti-hero. A hero. Not the hero we deserved, but the hero we needed. Nothing less than a knight. Shining. There's loads more to say about this movie, but we'd be here all day. The bottom line is, this is an outstanding comic book movie. And this is a movie that's brilliantly left field and outside the box of your average comic book film. I love that this movie is turning out to be a massive success at the box office, given how abnormal it is. Uh, it's like if a Lars von Trier movie was breaking box office records. It just makes me smile a bit. Get me a goddamn box out. And this time, make sure it's got full metal jacket bullets in it. Is it too much to fucking ask that the contents of the box match what's written on the label? Joker is a fantastic, disturbing take on my personal favorite comic book villain of all time, managing to be an original piece of work as well as an awesome tribute to the Joker. A breathtaking performance by Joaquin Phoenix, and Todd Phillips does a surprisingly good job crafting a disturbing character study while also making a movie about Gotham City. Joker is a remarkable piece of work. If you just smile.